We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another episode of The Field of 68. After coffee. It's after coffee today because it's still in the morning. It's 11 a.m. here on Wednesday, May 17th. It is the morning after the NBA draft lottery. My name is Rob Doster. I have Jeff Goodman here with me, and we're going to talk all things lottery. There is more than just the NBA draft to get into. Jeremy Roach, he is coming back to Duke. Does this mean that the Blue Devils are now the lock number one team? The last time that I spoke with you on the show, Goodman, you told me that Kansas was the clear-cut number one, your favorite to win a national title, and you had already bet your entire life savings on their future over at Bet Rivers. We got to talk about St. John's. You said blindly that you were going to put them in your preseason top 25 the day that Rick Pitino got hired. We're going to talk about whether or not you're still doing that. And Mackenzie Mbako is committed to your your new favorite program, your yep. favorite school, the Indiana yes. Hoosiers. Uh, I'm I am very, very intrigued to see what this Indiana team is going to be next season. We're going to get into all that. Uh, we'll have some updates on. on you know what else we're going to we'll have? have some updates on Ron Holland. And we have a surprise guest. I have no idea who this guest is going no, to be. They're showing up at 1130. Allegedly. I have no idea what's going to happen here. We're, we, it could go completely off the rails. It's always it fun. the greatest thing that yeah. Goodman ever pulled off. We will see. We will find out. You'll be guessing right along with me uh, as it happens. But we got to start. With the draft lottery, we got to start with Victor Wembanyama going to the San Antonio Spurs. Tim Duncan, yep. David Robinson, Wemby. Tony Parker, Boris Diaw, Wemby. I have never been more convinced that the NBA is rigged than I am this morning after seeing the Spurs get the number one overall pick. I'm convinced. It is. That's the one tradition that David Stern passed down to, passed down to Adam um Oh, God, I'm blank. Adam Silver. <laughs> I almost said Adam Fisher. I don't even know if that's a real person. Anyway, go ahead. Talk to me about Wemby to the Spurs. Well, here's the biggest thing is, is where was the best place for Wemby to land? And a lot of people last night were, like, applauding. It's San Antonio because of their culture, because of pop, because of everything. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, I'm not convinced of that anymore. Because Greg Popovich is 74 years old. He's not going to be coaching Wemby for, for that long, let's be honest. Um, you know, it'll it'll make it more attractive for the next coach, for them to be able to hire the next guy, because they'll have a guy like Victor Wembanyama. But that roster is atrocious right now. You know, mm -hmm. it, it really is. It's bad. It, it, it is. It's the worst roster of any of those teams. Now, I'm not saying they don't have 
you know, good management. Because I think R.C. Buford and, and, and what they put together there uh, has obviously done, you know, wonders for, for stability and everything like that. But when you look at the players on that team, you're just like, who do they have? Devontae Graham, Jeremy Sohan, Devin Vassell, my boy Doug McDermott. They don't have a lot of high-end talent when the other situations, Portland, Dame Lillard. Like, that's where, honestly, the best place he could have gone was Portland because they have guards. Dame Lillard, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons. They got Nurkic. That's the place that, honestly, would have been the best spot for him because they're a Victor Wembanyama away from being able to compete right away. That's the difference. Like Charlotte, no, it's a train wreck. It's a mess. Houston, I know they got Ime Adoka there. It's a mess right now. It's going to take a while to get them to where, again, they've got the right infrastructure in place. Detroit is a mess. So I, I think Portland was the winner for, for Victor. You know, San Antonio, we'll see. I just don't think they're going to be any good even with Victor. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a while. I, I still think that there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for them getting to the NBA. I just think somebody with that uh, that body type and having never played against that level of, of uh, talent before, I, you know, I do think that there's going to be um, probably a year or two to try to get adjusted to playing in the NBA. There's a reason why the NBA is the know, best He's the greatest in the prospect world. in team sports history, according to somebody, ever. Like, come on, man. Like, what are we talking about? LeBron James was more hype because he was in the country. That's the difference. Like we, there's no way in hell. I know you're trying to sell the lottery here, but no, no, I get it. So here, that's actually a great question. Let me ask you this. If you could draft without knowing what he turned into, if you could get 18 year old LeBron James, or you could get 18 year old Victor Wimbanyama, who are you taking with the number one pick? LeBron fucking James. This isn't even close for me. This isn't even close for me. The, The dude, again, his body frame, you knew he was going to hold up, number one. His maturity, you knew he was going to hold up and live up to the hype. His elite passing, his ability to work and get his shot better. That was the only question mark. Elite defender, elite passer, elite scorer, elite IQ, elite all of it. The only thing he couldn't do was shoot the ball well. And man, has he worked on that uh, part of his game. And you knew he would. So it, yeah. this isn't even close. It's not even a discussion for me. Um, I I mean, I hear what you're saying. The I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. Um, I think LeBron is the one guy that I can think of. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, somebody in the chat, let me know if I'm wrong. If you're listening to this on the podcast, please tweet me. Let me know if I'm wrong. He's the one guy that I've ever seen that had that level of hype and that level of expectation that actually lived up to it. Can you think of anybody else that came in where we were saying he's we're the, he's the best prospect that we've ever seen that actually found a way to in, live in up to being sport, the best prospect or just in, the NBA. in any sport? Period. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Okay, I don't know anything Wayne Gretzky's about hockey, the other so one. I will, I'll, I'll take I'll take the only thing I know about Wayne Gretzky in hockey is that Matt McCall played golf with him the other day. That's the only thing I know about Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky lived up to the hype. He lived up to the hype, and and, and then some. So, but yeah, you know what? Hold on, let me Gretzky. take it back. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper for the Phillies. He was a guy that, like, yeah. at 17 years old, was the next greatest thing that we've ever seen yeah. and uh, is now the best player, in, second best player in baseball. Maybe he's one of the best players in baseball. But I, I do think that 
when you look at what LeBron has turned into, it is impossible to talk about him as a prospect without like the idea in your mind that yes, he lived up to these outrageous expectations that he had. Um, I think given the way that the NBA has gone and how valuable rim protectors that can space the floor are like to me, this is just the next step in, uh, in basketball evolution going from the throwback bid, like a shack to somebody like a Nikola Jokic or a Joel Embiid that play on the perimeter to a Kevin Durant that is a seven-foot guard to now you have a legitimate five rim protector, great defender who, oh, by the way, might also be one of the best scorers that we're going to see on the perimeter. So um, it's going to be fascinating to watch him develop. I think he is. Here's what I say too, Rob. Here's what I say also is is I still worry, and I know if you haven't watched it, watch um, our YouTube video on Devontae Devontae Jones talking about Victor Wembanyama. Tell tell him who Devontae Jones is. He played in Michigan. He's now Victor's point guard this year uh, in France. So he knows him about as well as anybody. And it was really if you go back if you go and watch the interviews that that he did last night with uh, I believe it was NBA uh, the NBA social team and uh, I think Brian Windhorst was out there for ESPN. You can see Devontae Jones creeping in the background with a Bass Pro Shops hat on, which was <laughs> <laughs> that had me laughing. Anyway, Devontae went through everything uh, about Victor and what a great teammate he is, all of it. And and the one thing that I'd heard and, and to listen to Devontae talk about it was his regimen, his pregame regimen, and, and how he tries to get his body uh, right so that it can withstand uh, not only now, but a career in the NBA. Because obviously you look at these other guys, the Chet Holmgren's, even the Kevin Durant's, and they've been off injured. And uh, Victor has a guy, he's been working with him for, for a while now. They have a pregame, they have an off, they have all sorts of, of, of stretching and other um, exercises, other things that they do in order to be able to get his body to withstand the rigors of, of the NBA. But I still, I still worry about that body frame. I'm not going to lie. I don't care what he does. I still worry about it because I've seen too many guys that look like that. Well, there aren't that many guys that look like that, but um, guys that 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 are long and thin like that um, that that can't absorb uh, the pounding over and over and over and 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 get hurt. So I, I don't know. I mean, again, I just think LeBron. Um, was I'm hurt. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, I do think that he has like he's got a little bit of a, a wider frame, I think, than some of those guys, and I do think he might be able to handle a little bit more strength, a la a, a Jason Tatum. Um, but yes, that is the. That is the single biggest concern. It's the same thing as Zion Williamson. Like you have these uh, body types that are not, I guess, the norm. I guess is the, yeah, it's not the norm. And um, the stresses of 82 games plus whatever you play in the playoffs is is a lot when you add all the travel and stuff in. So it was good to hear that. That was actually the one thing that I took away more than anything else from that the interview you did with Devontae was, oh, he's already prepping his body. To be able to withstand it, and that so that was something that stood out to me. All right, I have five more questions for for you coming from the lottery. Um, I have more, five more questions. So we're just gonna we're we're just gonna kind of roll through these. I'm sorry, four more questions. Um, I think that the most fascinating decision, and and where we're gonna kind of see like an inflection point in this draft is going to be, and and this is kind of an obvious pick, is going to be at number two, right? Because the Charlotte Hornets are sitting in a position where they're going to have to make a decision between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Now, on paper, Brandon Miller fits what they have on that roster better. At the same time, I think I would still make the argument that Scoot Henderson is the higher upside prospect out of those two. 
But I don't know if you can play Scoot Henderson and LaMelo Ball in the same backcourt. So You can can because LaMelo can shoot it. That's why you can. I'm not saying it's perfect because both kind of need the ball in their hands. But to me, playing with two point guards, there's never an issue with that as long as one of them can shoot it and LaMelo can shoot it. He can. He can. Um, I just I think that Scoot is a guy that needs to have the ball to be effective. And LaMelo needs to have the ball to be effective. And so I guess I guess the way that I would phrase the question is this. If you believe that LaMelo Ball is the guy that can lead your franchise to to being a title contender, do you take the the guy that fits alongside of him, knowing that there's a chance that he could end up being like a Jason Tatum? While also I don't care about fit. I don't give a shit about fit. I'm looking at it. To me, if I'm the general manager of, of Charlotte, I'm saying, who is the guy I think has a chance to be a top five player in the NBA down the road? Who is that mm-hmm. guy? That's who I'm taking. I could give a shit about fit. Okay, so who is it? Who would you take there? You think it's Scoot? I haven't seen Scoot enough. All I'll say is he can't shoot. Brandon Miller shoots the shit out of it. And Brandon Miller, to me, has the length. Now, Scoot's a freak athlete in a Derrick Rose, you know, when he was healthy uh, type player. Uh, he's got that gear. He's got that size. He's got that athleticism. He can pass the hell out of the ball. Um, Brandon Miller's kind of the opposite, right? He's super skilled. He's long. He's smooth. He's athletic enough. He could put on the floor some. He's better than Jabari Smith. He is better at the same stage than Jabari Smith was a year ago because he could put on the floor. He can put on the floor up. That's the yeah, no, He can, but I don't – I I – I am concerned. The reason why I lean Scoot in in that spot being the better overall prospect is one, Russell Westbrook, John Morant. You mentioned Derek. Like we've seen freak athlete guards that can't really shoot have a ton of success at the NBA level. So I'm not I'm not that concerned about it. And two with Brandon Miller, I, I don't. He can he can play off the bounce a little bit against college kids. I'm not convinced that he has like the Jason Tatum perimeter game and that's going to be something hey, that he'll, tatum, he'll be able to tatum get stood in the corner first of all tatum didn't shoot it well at duke at all didn't like he shot like 35 percent or something like that at duke okay number one when he came into the nba they stuck him in the in the right corner for the first half of the of his rookie year um mm-hmm. he didn't put in the floor at all so like it takes time jason tatum put on a lot of weight up here yep. that enabled him to be able to go to the when, when his first couple of years when he go to the basket he had no desire for any contact. He would avoid it at all costs. Now he's big. Now, he's, now he looks like a wrestler, man. Like his his upper body is a V. He's, he's a man he, now. Yeah, but it he, wasn't. That's what not, I'm trying to say. He's, he had he's a, not just a man. He looks like he could probably play defensive line for the Patriots. It's crazy. <laughs> he had a boy's body, which makes sense when he mm-hmm. came out of Duke. Now but he did. He also like I remember watching him at, at Peach Jam, and like that dude had. But before he got to college, that dude had off the dribble game. Like yeah. his mid range game was was elite. Yes. So I, I'm that's that's the one thing I'm he worried about. Pass Brandon it. Miller. I, yeah. I actually think Brandon Miller's a really good passer. I, I really do. I don't think you saw it that much at Alabama, but I saw it on the on the AU circuit. Saw you saw it. You saw it. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah. Got the Boston is really coming out of you today. All right, let's go to the next question I have. So if you are Portland at number three. Yeah. I think you have a decision to make. You have Dame Lillard. I don't know how many years you have left of Dame being Dame, right? right? So you have this asset. You have this number three pick. You have some, like you mentioned earlier, you have some good 
quality pieces around him. Are you using this to draft Brandon Miller or Scoot Anderson? Or do you take this and dangle it as bait to try to go get someone like, I don't know, a Brad Beal, someone, a, a, a star from another um, another organization to try to like legitimately give Dame a second guy? What are you doing if you're the Portland Trailblazers here? Yeah, I'm going to try to package this pick and I'm going to package Anthony Simons and see what I can get uh, right now to get another star, to get another dude that can help Dame. Because I, I think, you know what I think is Shaden Sharp. Uh, I think yep. he's going to be terrific. And if, if if you can add another forward front, they need another big, really, or at least a big wing, which Brandon Miller is, but you don't have time. You don't have time right now. You got to deliver somebody for Dame Lillard that can help mm-hmm. them win now. So to me, I would package Simons because I think his value is really high right now, coming off a hell of a season. Uh, and I would package this pick and see what I could get. And can you get, yeah, a Brad Beal type? Obviously, you're gonna have to throw in something to make the money work. Uh, but but I would look I would look to add another All Star. Yep, that's uh, that's what I would do too. You're 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 in the win now time frame, and that time frame is kind of closing. So that's what I would do. Is Detroit the biggest loser in this year's uh, in this year's draft lottery? Sure, of course. I mean, they don't even have a coach. You know, Troy Weaver is just kind of accumulating. Uh, I, I feel like Troy Weaver is just like trying to get as many. High school, like it's like he's still working at Syracuse as an assistant coach in, in recruiting uh, and just trying to get as many like top 20 players as he can. Because if you look at that that team, I love Kate Cunningham. You know that. I, I think he's a stud. Jaden Ivey, we'll see kind of what happens there, but I'm hoping Jaden Ivey progresses. And then you took chances on uh, Bagley, Wiseman, um, you know, RJ Hampton, some of these guys that haven't worked out. Jalen Duran, I'm not sure on yet. So I, I just think this Isaiah Detroit- Stewart, James Wiseman. Yeah, you're right. Like he's got he right. he's just looking back at like who was a McDonald's All American in 2019. Let me get that guy. I need him. It's like Troy Weaver is still <laughs> honestly still a college coach, an assistant. So I, I don't I don't love what he's done. Um, and I'm scared of what he's gonna do at, at the head coaching spot. Um, you know, Kevin Ollie. Didn't work out well at the end for you, UConn Huskies. You kind of ran them into the ground there, Robert. So I, I don't know. You don't listen. The one thing is you don't have to work that hard in the NBA. That's the the good thing for Kevin Ollie is work ethic. He'll go in and he'll be fine as long as he can develop these young guys. The one the one thing I will say about Ollie is this: the best team that he had was when he had Shabazz Napier and Ryan Boltwright, and he could just give them the ball and say, "Hey, okay, look, the play that we're running is." Uh, everybody get out of the way and let Shabazz figure something out. Everybody get out of the way and let Ryan Boltwright figure something out. And in theory, you got a couple guys that you might be able to do that with in Cade Cunningham and, um, and Jaden Ivey. So like, I don't think it's, it's necessarily the, the worst situation, but like, I also saw, uh, how little, uh, I don't want to kill Kevin Ollie on here. Um, I'm just I like, terrified. I like Kevin Ollie. He's a UConn. He's a UConn legend in my right. mind. So, right. uh, y- yes, there's a. It's not all negative. I, I don't like how the pieces make sense. Yeah, there are. I just um, again, you're rolling the dice on too many guys. You're, you're trying to do too many reclamation projects. Um, and and again, I don't know who you take here. My guess is that you know they'll end up like one of the Thompson twins or something like that. Uh, I would take Cam Whitmore to be honest here, 
Uh, I think Whitmore's got much higher upside. He shot it well this year. Like the Thompson twins are freak athletes who can guard. Uh, a man can can pass as well. But you know, to me, Cam Whitmore fits more of of. Yeah, I like I like Whitmore because he's a, he can shoot it a little bit. He's a good enough athlete. I think that there's a, no, no, he's a better than a good enough athlete. He's a great athlete. Um, what what I was gonna say is I think he's a good enough athlete that he can be like your one through five defender. Like I, th- I think there's a there's a world where he's a small ball five. He could be a lob. I, I like I like him there, but yeah, when you're when you have a chance to get the number one pick and you end up falling all the way to number five in a three player draft, it's kind of a it's not the greatest thing in the world. Um, last thing, outside of the biggest names, which you know are the top three, I'll throw the the Thompson twins in there. You mentioned Whitmore. Who's the the potential lottery pick that you are? that you're high on, that you're most interested to see where they land, that you think has a better chance than anybody else at, at maybe reaching that, like, all-NBA hmm. um, kind of in the MVP conversation level? Like, who's who's the guy that you are just buying, buying, buying all the stock in right now? Who am I buying all this? I, I love – you know I love Casey Wallace. Yep. I go with Casey Wallace. I, I just think he's an elite defender, an elite competitor – um, a better shooter than I thought he'd be, although he came down to earth. Uh, he can run the point. And in the NBA, again, you're not going to get pressured like you, you, you do in college. And he'll become an even better shooter because he's going to work at it. So I, I love Casey Wallace. I, I think he's one. I love Jalen hood Um, A big point like that. I know he's not a great, great athlete, but uh, I think he'll be good. But I would say Casey Wallace to me, I would take in the top 10. So it, the other guy is Nick Smith. You're buying low. You're buying low. I think Nick Smith, we never saw Nick Smith this year. Nobody ever saw the real Nick Smith this season because he was in and out of the lineup uh, injured. But all I remember is Peach Jam Nick Smith. And man, that Nick Smith was fun to watch because that Nick Smith was a, a, a scoring machine and he could mm-hmm. score from all three levels. He's got the the positional size. I think he's a straight two for the most part. Let him just score. So I, those are a few guys I really like. Yeah. So the the name that I love that I keep falling back to that I think has a chance to be um, to be Devin Booker and also has a chance to be like one of these guys that is barely getting minutes on lottery teams in five years is Keontae George. Yeah. Um, I think he is the best bucket getter in this, like if you're just like, all right, I I need to bet on a guy to go get me 30 and a half. Like he's the guy that can go do that. The two questions I have with him. um, Number one, uh, he showcased like a pretty good ability to kind of play out of ball screens and get some assists out of ball screens. My question is how much of that stuff was actually just schemed and drawn up. And all he had to do was like, okay, you dribble here and then you make this pass versus like you're coming off this screen and you got to read the defense and figure out where the ball's supposed to go. Yeah. I think more of it was schemed than what people realize. And two, um, it is the the elite level shot making. Like the thing about Devin Booker is when he's at his best, like he he's probably the most efficient guard in the NBA. Like that dude takes nothing but good shots. He like there he had games where he was like 15 for 19 from the floor in the fucking playoffs, man. And I think so, that Keontae George so, so. like in a best case scenario, can be that level of player because he's shown flashes of all the stuff that you have to be able to like Booker's also an elite ball screen passer these days. Like he's 
I think he's the best two guard in the NBA. Is that crazy to say? Like, would, who would you put above him? Uh, probably it's kind of it's like weird labeling these guys. Like Nobody. maybe Brad Beal, like nah, Dane Lillard, he, maybe he's like moved, he's moved way in front of Beal. Yeah, way so I, I think, like I think Keontae George, there's a non-zero possibility that he ends up being that good. So we will see what happens. Listen, when we come back, I'm going to put Goodman to the test. He is going to have to draw a line in the sand and make a decision on who he thinks the preseason number one team in college basketball should be. Is it Duke? Is it Kansas? We'll find out on the other side of the break. For today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee-in-the-morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional basis for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Field of 68. Rob Dosser here. Jeff Goodman is here with me, and we got to talk about who the preseason number one team in college basketball is going to be. We're going to be joined in about five minutes by a surprise guest. I have no idea who this person is. It's going to be just as much of a surprise. I don't think they have any idea who you are. Either. As it's going to be for me. So um, that would not be a surprise. Not a lot of people know who I am. Uh, anyway, Duke, they got Jeremy Roach back on, was it Monday? I think it was Monday he announced that he's coming back, which means Tyrese Proctor is back. Jeremy Roach is back. Mark Mitchell is back. Kyle Filipowski is back. And oh, by the way, they happen to bring in a freshman class that includes Caleb Foster, Jared McCain, Sean Stewart, and TJ Power. Those are four five-star recruits. And they're still in the mix for 
former McDonald's All-American, Ernest Uday, who I believe took a visit over the weekend. So let's start with I think this, he's Jeff. There now. I think yeah. there now. You you said that Kansas was going to be your preseason number one team in yeah. the country when uh when Hunter Dickinson committed there. Are you sticking with that or are you coming back to the side of rationality and going back with John Shire and the Duke Blue Devils as a preseason number one team? I'm going with Kansas. I'm I'm sticking with Kansas and Bill Self. And you know, to me, I know it's the world of multi-dimensional wings, but I'm still going to say point guard big when you have Dewan Harris and you have Hunter Dickinson, it's going to be hard to beat. That's going to be hard to beat um, experience. Those two dudes have been in college for a long time. You know, Duke's got some talent back, right? Filipowski, mm-hmm. Proctor. Now Roach is, is the, the ultimate veteran for Duke, but they're still going to be young. You know, they're still going to have to play these young dudes, right? Um, Jared McCain, Caleb Foster. I don't know how they play that much because you got Proctor Roach. You know, uh, the kid shoots back. Sean Stewart comes in. TJ Powers got to play. Mark Mitchell's going to play. I-, I actually think this might hurt Duke more than anything. I think they have too many dudes, and it might cause an issue. I, I do. I just think you want to have you want to have it set where you know your roles. Kansas is going to have that. They're not going to be as deep as Duke. They're not be able to sustain an injury like Duke could. But they're like top eight, nine are going to be set. And you're going to have Dewan Harris. Uh, you're going to have uh, Timberlake on the wing. Nick Timberlake transferred from Towson. who shoots the shit out of it. You're going to have KJ Adams at the four, Hunter at the five. And then um, Arteria Morris and Omarco Jackson, two electric guards probably coming off, uh, you know, one of them starts maybe, one of them comes off the bench, I guess. Am I forgetting somebody? I no, like I mean, that's you got all you got all the, the relevant names. The one thing that I'll say is this. Um, I think you're underestimating the jump that Tyrese Proctor and Kyle Filipowski are going to make. Well, you think right. Proctor is honestly, you're, you're ready to put him in the NBA as like a, a top 50 player in the NBA. I mean, Pro- <laughs> I know Proctor was good at times, but like slow your roll with Tyrese Proctor a little bit. No, I I think he's good. I think we saw him figure it out at the end of his freshman year when he should have been a senior in high school, and I think he's going to come back and have a monster sophomore season. Um, Kyle Filipowski was a monster last year, and I think that he's going to take a step forward again this season. And as far as, like, concern about finding your roles, there really are only, like, eight or nine guys here. Jalen Blakes is going to be fine, like, if he plays five minutes a game. Like, he was not a guy that was – He's not going to be happy. But I, yeah, but he he's not like it's Jalen Blake's. You know what I mean? Like Jaden Shoot didn't play at all last year, and if you end up losing Jaden Shoot because of this, like it is what it is. So there is going to be a little bit of a glut in the backcourt. Um, but I also think that based off of what we've seen, uh, freshman impact B over the yeah. course of the last two to three seasons, like it may not be a bad thing that these guys are going to be coming along slowly. Does that mean you might lose one to transfer? Yeah, it might mean you lose a guy to transfer. But if you're Caleb Foster or Jared McCain and you see Jeremy Roach graduate and Tyrese Proctor go to the lottery and you're not a first-round pick yet, are you really going to leave? Are you going to take that bag that Duke's going to drop with the NIL rolling and go out there and be the star point guard next year? Listen, um, we'll get into this a little bit on the other side of this uh, this guest. Our surprise guest is coming in. I have no idea who this is going to be. Uh, this is going to be an interesting moment here. Um, oh, man. There you go. 
That, that is the best part that you really had no idea. I had, I had no idea. It's Matt Painter, yeah. Purdue head coach. Paint, what's going on, man? We're live right now, just so you know. I had no idea that you were coming on today. Goodman completely surprised me with this. How you doing, man? What's going on? Good. I'm good. What's going on? Just that uh, Lon Kruger's Coaches vs. Cancer event. It was a success, as usual, and he does a fantastic job with it. But just uh, taking it easy in Vegas. How are you doing on the blackjack table, more importantly? I'm I'm even. I haven't we haven't done much. Right. But uh my Even's wife and I we, we play we even is good. We we play we play together at the same time. So we uh we sit there. She's actually I've I've been a little bit down and she's up, but we always we always we always count our score together. So yeah. we're actually up we're actually up we're actually up fifty. We won twenty five right. one day and but we played for like one time for like forty five minutes, the other time for like an hour. So where, where are you staying out there? Uh, we're staying at the MGM, uh, the Park MGM. Okay. Good spot. Good, good convenient spot. All right. So, um, first things first, your big boy, Zach Eady, uh, put his name in uh, to the draft, which obviously he should have. Um, NBA, as we know, has kind of changed. Zach Eady, 10 years ago, would have been a lottery pick. Now it's can he get a spot in the NBA? Uh, I don't even know. Is he doing anything at the combine? Is he playing? Are you headed to the combine from Vegas? No, um, um, everything's, you know, really kind of dying down. So um, our assistants went there that first day doing interviews. He did some testing and that was it. I don't even think he shot um, when he did some skill stuff. So what what are you hearing on, on him in terms of, you know, undrafted right. to like mid to late second round? Like what, what are the NBA guys yeah. telling you? I would, you know, and, and they're not going to tell you. I think that's the, that's the main thing. They'll, they'll, you know, talk about their interest. And a lot of things get lost because there's so much movement during draft day. You know, people that have second-round picks, you know, can't take somebody because they have a full boat or um, they move something in a trade and things like that. Or people are doing their homework and they don't have one right now to possibly get a second-round pick. You know, he more or less is, is just trying to – find somebody is that interested in him in terms of being a player. And, um, you know, and, and I think that's, that's, that's a tough process at this point because it's kind of unfinished data, you know, they're still doing their work and everything is relative, right? You know, everything's in comparison. You know, if they don't take him, they take somebody else. So a lot of times people will like you at a certain spot, but they're also handicapping it for where they think everybody else is going to be taken and then if people are sitting there for them that they thought no way would be there, now it, it, it changes things. But he's just trying to get a feel, and his agent, Mark Bartlestein, um, just trying to get a feel for people that are sincere, that look at him to be able to play, you know, in, in the NBA, not something where it's like, okay, we'll just we'll just see after a couple years in the G League. That, that's that's not what he's looking for. You know, he, he's looking for an opportunity to, to be able to compete and play in the NBA and get into a rotation. I think the value that that people underestimate when it comes to NIL is giving a guy like Zach, there's other players, a guy like Andre Jackson, players like this that don't want to go to the G League, a chance to be able to capitalize a little bit on um, on their ability, right? And it makes it so it's yeah. not necessarily a financial decision, right? It's, okay, what is Correct. best for me as a basketball player? Coming back to Purdue, developing my game there, going to the G League, developing – it becomes a purely – basketball decision as opposed to hey look you know what i got to be able to go make this money while i can 
Yeah, no question. I really like the name, image, likeness in these scenarios where they're going back to the school, you know, that they just played for, especially someone like him who's had ultimate success. Now he can handicap it, look at it, gauge it and say, okay, here's where I would be financially going back to Purdue. Here's where I'll probably be financially. You know, see, that's one of the tough things for guys in these positions. You don't know, you know, on May 31st, you, you've done all you've gotten all of your your feedback and you think, you know, but you don't 100 percent know. Well, you do know where you're going to be financially coming back to Purdue through name, image and likeness. And so, you know, comparatively speaking, I think that that really helps. The thing that's kind of gotten lost in our business is the guys that are leaving and now going other places. And, it, and it's just a bidding war right in the spring. Like that's where things have gotten screwy um, to where guys are now just kind of, you know, lobbying in between three, four different schools and just trying to run their money up as high as they can versus the guys that, you know, that you mentioned in Zach that are going to go back to their school that have been really productive and really just being re rewarded, you know, for, for how productive he's been. So I really like that. I just don't know how it's got to where it is without anybody talking some level of a cap. Like, you know, think about professional sports if they didn't have a cap and what that would look like. You know, that would be crazy, you know, across the board. You know, you get big markets, small markets. Think about a big market versus small market without a cap, you know. And so the people that are now getting these guys in the spring that are moving, you know, they just have more money than everybody else. So that's not what name, image, and likeness got put in there because that, that is what the acronym stands for. You know, you're getting money off your name, image, and likeness. And that's just kind of a bidding war right now in the spring. And the people with the most money are getting guys. But I do think in this situation, this is what it's about. And this is good for college basketball, right? When you get to keep guys sure. such as Zach Eady, if this is what happens. So if Eady comes back, which it looks like he probably will, unless something crazy happens, he comes back. Um, your your backcourt is a year older, and they took a lot of heat last year. Braden Smith took a lot of heat, but there was a lot on him, probably more on him than than you wanted to be on Braden Smith. And, and right. Boyer kind of he was hurt, and he wore down a little bit. You bring on one guy, Lance Jones, transfer mm -hmm. from Southern Illinois. That's it. That's it. That's all you've done right. in the portal. I think a lot of us thought you bring in another guy who could ease right. some of the 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 you know the load from Braden Smith having to be more of the, the right. primary ball handler. Tell me kind of what's going to be different with, with those guys right. next year. Is it just Braden getting a year older? Yeah. Well, we've, you know, we've taken two guys out of the portal in three years. You know, I think us in Stanford have the fewest amount of guys that are taken. Um, I just want to do what's right for the guys that are in our program. And I want to do what's right for the guys coming into our program. And, and so I'm not just going to go on top of people, even though I understand your point, you know, and, and you are correct. And Braden had a lot of responsibility last year, but he also had a lot of growth. He had a very good year. I think he's him and Fletch. I think they're going to be fantastic and have great careers. Lance Jones is really going to help us. We also have a uh, Cam Heidi who brings us a lot of athleticism that redshirted. And then we have Miles Colvin who is coming in, who is very athletic and very talented and he's coming in. So we needed more quickness. We needed more athleticism with those three additions. I think sometimes when guys sit out, they get, they get forgotten, but um, they're not forgotten to us. And uh, I think they'll do 
a really good job for our program, but we needed that. Um, and we also not, you know, we need not to turn the basketball over in key games. Anytime we get into key games, especially in the NCAA tournament where we shoot a high volume of threes, we shoot a low percentage, and then we have a high level of turnovers. I don't care who you're playing and what setup. That's a recipe for disaster. We have to do a better job, especially when you have one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country to play that poorly in those situations when it comes to taking care of the basketball. It's, it's such an important part of the game because when you're a good rebounding team like we are, even if you're getting some, you know, some tough shots or bad shots up there, you're still giving yourself a chance to, you know, get the basketball and score. Matt, let me let me ask you this because I think it's fascinating how you view last season. You didn't really come into the year with much expectation in terms of being a Big Ten title contender, at least from the outside, right? You guys go out, you win the Big Ten regular season title, you win the Big Ten tournament. You turn Zach Eady into the National Player of the Year. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way to look at your season at uh, as anything other than an overwhelming success. One loss in the NCAA tournament completely tarnishes all of that. So how do you, when you look back at last year, like how do you look at it? Well, you know, for us, like you kind of, you know, you got to be accountable as a coach, and, and it's it's you know when you raise your expectations. You know, you, you've made it harder, but that's what you want, right? You want to raise your expectations. It's who we've gotten beat by in the NCAA tournament, in the Sweet 16 in St. Peter's, getting beat by Farley Dickinson, getting beat by North Texas the year before. And we, we just have to be better, and I have to be better. And But we, we, turn, we turn the basketball over. So when you're sitting there looking at that, do you have the ability to take care of the basketball throughout the year? We've been able to do that. We just haven't done that at that time. So we have to be better – um, you know, in those areas, but no, it's just building a team and it's looking at your team. It's like right now we're, you know, we're waiting for Zach. And um, if he comes back, great. If he doesn't, great. But now you try to orchestrate what you have and play into your strengths. We have guys that have played more of a role that if he doesn't come back is going to get more of an opportunity. Like a guy like Trey Kaufman ran is going to get more of an opportunity, no matter what really good player. I didn't do a great job last year of getting him ready to defend like a four and he needed to. And the other, other guys were a little bit better, but we needed his scoring down the stretch. And, you know, it's hard when you look at things and you're 22 and one, like something's wrong. Right. Yeah. But we, we, we slowly lost our confidence collectively as a team for whatever reason and then we just needed more punch and we needed more scoring and I didn't utilize him correctly and I got to do a better job there with having a weapon like that but I think he's really going to have more of a role for us next year but just you know just organically kind of looking at your pieces and your growth and then waiting like a lot of times people want to want you to come to your answer just wait like we're going on a foreign trip we're going to work out in June July and practice we're going to play games just see who's going to take the reins. Just see who's going to make steps. Not really your new guy. Your new guys, you're more trying to educate them about what's going on and how to play, things like that. But who's going to make some strides in the other areas? But for us, we got some good players. We got to be confident. We got to be sure. And the only person that can do that for yourself is you. You, you have to put in that kind of time and you know get yourself in position to really make a jump and then feel good through adversity, right? You know, I think that's competition. Like, who can really perform and who can really play when things aren't going, you know, their way? And and that's what we have to have. We, you know, we, we have to kind of get in that built-in adversity through the summer. So now we're, we're gaining that confidence and being able to push through some of those thresholds when things aren't going our way. 
All right, listen, nobody's on more committees than you. You're on every damn committee <laughs> in college basketball. <laughs> uh, between that and NIL and all the other crap, I don't know how you have time to coach. Um, there's one hot button topic that every coach is calling me about over and over and over, and that is the waiver for this one-time transfer undergrad rule. Okay, right. So for those right. that don't know, there, there's there's a rule out there that basically you can transfer once um, and you don't have to sit out as an undergrad. If you do it after that, you, you either have to sit out or they put in some stipulations that you can still get a waiver, mental health being right. one of them potentially. What are you hearing with this and the leniency from the NCAA? You don't hear anything. And, that, and that's what's frustrating because, like, you get, you know, they send out kind of the guidelines and then you'll see somebody get the waiver and you read the guidelines and it, you know, sometimes it fits and sometimes it doesn't, but then they, they get it. So is everybody just going to, you know, get those waivers? So, you know, we just need some leadership. You know more than anything. You know we we need we need educated why they do things. We need guidance. You know how to go forward. Like when you go to the one time transfer, and you go to everything that's been put in place, the name, image, and likeness. Like you should be able to sit down and say, hey, you know, here's the blueprint going forward because you've never been through this. How to be successful? Not necessarily. What gets lost a lot is people think college basketball and they think blue bloods. They think high majors, and you know, there's division three, there's NAI, there's division two, you know, low to mid majors. How do they navigate these waters and, 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 and kind of help us through this? Like when they just kind of threw us out in a pond and say, figure it out. And, you know, yeah, for a, a coach no getting a job. Exactly. And, and so when they go, like I would be, it would be tough like to try to get a waiver and like feel good about it. And then there'd be times where you're like, well, I don't feel good about it. It doesn't meet these guidelines, but everybody else seems like they get it. And, and that's in theory, because I don't know numbers in that area, but like that, I think that is the piece of everything when you hear coaches speak that go through it, um, because I haven't personally, but I get a lot of phone calls because of, you know, the committees that we're on. And, and that's what we need from them. You know, we, we need guidance and we need help um, to be able to kind of understand like where everything is and, and how to go about this, really how to build a team. And that's what we've been able to do at Purdue. Like we've been able to build a team and be able to sustain a team. And that's what coaches do. We know there's going to be transfers. We know there's going to be guys that leave. But, you know, if you can't keep them, you can't grow them. And if they're always going to be moving, you know, at the end of the day, do we kind of get it figured out and we keep going on? Yeah. But if anybody's going to get hurt over that, it's going to be them at the end of the day because 99% of them are, are not pros. And we get lost in that. You know, we write a lot of articles about the best players. We have the mock drafts. We have the combine. We have all these things. Well, these guys are really good players. Like, they, they have a chance to be a pro. But the rules are for everybody the last time I checked. And so, like, now where do these go? Like, the opportunity to get a scholarship and go and play somewhere and get a college degree and then have that connection to that institution – has you know that's been proven that that's a great recipe for someone not to have a great career but to have a great life and and that's what we're trying to get here is that you know a big big chunk of our guys aren't professional basketball players but now if they're constantly moving and now that's all they end up doing is moving you know like what have we really done for them and there's nothing wrong with transferring we've all seen a lot of positive transfers to help guys 
um, you know, whether that's personally, whether that's academically or whether that's basketball oriented. So we're, we're not saying this where we're just saying the constant transferring. Um, there's not a lot of stability for there. And I think at the end of the day, when you're going to see numbers five years, you know, you're going to see that it's going to hurt those, some of those student athletes that just kept transferring. All right. Last question I got for you, Paint. Uh, is there any update on the fund to build the Robbie Hummel statue? Uh, I, I think that's gone. I, I think that's gone. I, I don't see a lot of people jumping on that wagon right now. <laughs> Listen, Hummel, if, if you want to find Hummel, guaranteed he is at a golf course somewhere today. I don't know where, but nobody plays more golf in the offseason and then complains how hard they have to work for four months of the year than Robbie Hummel. It's am amazing how soft he has gotten since he left the Purdue program. I, I you know, we, we would love to have him back in the Purdue program. So like for us, um, obviously getting guys like that, that, you know, I call them multipliers that make other people better. I know you guys like to like to needle him a lot for, for golf and, and uh, searching for this uh, unbelievable statue that, that, that somehow can't be found but no he's uh he's obviously done great thanks Pat. we appreciate you jumping us on jumping on with us go win uh go win a few bucks get it up to a hundred dollars yeah, at least yeah I, I think i'm done i think i'm finished there so <laughs> all, right. all right guys we'll thank you, you. there is purdue head coach matt painter joining us uh from vegas good surprise guest because again the great thing with Painter is he's got such great insight into the issues into college basketball. I, I've said it over and over. And he's when not he afraid. Retired, he's not a, he's, he's not worried about speaking his mind and, no. and saying what he actually feels. Uh, you know, we had a we had a conversation about this. I think it was about a year ago when Roy Williams retired and Coach K retired um, and Jim Beheim what looked like he was kind of winding down. And it was like, who are the coaches that are going to end up being the voices that people go to that are able to get out there and say what they want to say without worrying about um, blowback, without worrying about the ramifications, who, who is, who's big enough to be able to get out there and, and right. say the things that need to be said. And it might end up being Matt Painter, Matt Painter, Tom Izzo, guys at Bill Self, yeah, guys at that and, and Paints younger than Izzo, paints on all these committees. Um, he's trying to, again, like he said, well, while so many other coaches are hitting the portal, and they have to, his biggest thing is trying to retain guys. And, and again, a lot of coaches, with the way it ended last year, a lot of coaches would have felt the pressure to maybe run some guys out, to create some spots to bring in more transfers, right? More athletic dudes that are mm -hmm. older. Instead, he just kind of stays the course. And you got to give him a lot of credit for it, especially with all the heat he's taking. And he, and he comes right out. We didn't even ask him, right? He mm -hmm. says, listen, we got to be better. I got to be better. We shouldn't be losing FDU, St. Peter's, and North Texas. Yep. Yep. He didn't hide from it, and you got to respect that. All right. Uh, let's get back to the the rundown that I had yeah. written down before. That was a good surprise guest, by the way. I, I will I will accept Matt Painter-level yeah. surprise guests. Uh, next time you try to bring on Stanford Steve to surprise us, nah, no more. <laughs> Cutting Steve off. All right. Um, all right. You said you would blindly put St. John's in the preseason yeah. top 25 the day that they hired Rick Patino, yep. they've now finished building this roster, and I believe it's what he did. he went out and he added eleven guys. I want to say eleven. He kept yeah, two. eleven guys. Kept, kept two guys. guys. So, 
Are you putting St. John's in your preseason top 25 with the roster that Rick Pitino currently has? Hell yes. I'm putting him back in. I took him out for a little bit, and then when they, they got Jordan Dingle, um, that was kind of what they needed. You know, a proven high-level score. He averaged 23 a game at Penn. Uh, he's older as well. So, I, yes, I've, I've got them in the top 25 because I think that's what they needed, a guard that could just play alongside Dennis Jenkins, make some plays. Soriano up front, right? Like mm-hmm. average 15 and 10 or whatever it was last year. It's a monster. Johnson kept him. And, and then he added R.G. Lewis uh, from, from UMass. Um, Naheem Aline, who will probably come off the bench. Maybe he'll start, but, you know, was a piece on a national title team. Glenn Taylor from Oregon State. They got enough. Quinn Slozinski comes in with him from Iona. He's got enough. He's got enough now. It's working for a minute that he wouldn't have that electric guard that could really score the ball next to Jenkins. He's got it now. So, yes, I'm putting them in the top 25 right at 25. Yeah, I think that I would probably have them there. I don't know if they have a top 25 roster in college basketball. I, I Honestly, I don't, I don't think right. that they do. Um, but I would, I think that they have enough good pieces that, that Rick will be able to figure it out. And I'm telling you, I, I, I think that Naheem Aline is going to start for them. I think they'll he probably might. slot him in at the three. Yeah. And I think that he's going to be a very, very good player for, for St. John's. Um, he, when UConn made their, like when they kind of flipped the switch last year yeah. in, in, uh, in early February, late, late January, it's when Naheem Aline kind of embraced this idea that, like, look, I got to be a guy off the bench that can go get you a bucket. He doesn't do anything great. He does everything well. He is a very good defender. He is a very good open shooter. He's one of these guys. He's going to be playing pickup games until he's 40 just because he's so strong, can get to a spot and can get his shot off, despite the fact that he's not, like, super athletic. I think he'll be a double-digit uh, double score for St. John's next year. I think there's a chance that, like, he could flirt with all Big East. Is that crazy? Is that a hot take? No, because again, like he was kind of buried early last year at UConn. And uh, what I loved about him was even when he wasn't playing the role that he probably envisioned, mm-hmm. he was still a really good team guy. And I think that's going to be important. The leadership is going to be important because you got a lot of guys that, you know, are coming from the mid-major ranks or haven't won a lot, right? Glenn Taylor certainly didn't win a lot. Um you know, obviously Soriano didn't win a ton. So, you know, I was worried when they when they missed on 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 uh, uh, what's his name Walter uh, Clayton. When they missed on Clayton, I was worried because I felt like all right, they're going to get Clayton. He's the dude for me. Uh, but they picked up Dingle, who was kind of the next best thing. So, I, yeah, I, listen, Rick he Pitino. Might, with, he might be better. I love Clayton. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm like they're both the very good, but like Dingle, Dingle is a bucket. Like he, he is, is he bucket is. getter. Yeah. Um, all right. the The other guy that they missed on, who actually yeah. ended up at your, I'm calling him your Indiana Hoosiers from yeah. now on, is yeah. uh, Mackenzie Mbako. Yep. Um, he committed to Indiana on, I guess it was Friday night. Top ten prospect, a guy that you said at one point could be the number one player in the class. Didn't have a great. Uh, senior season, senior spring, didn't play great at the McDonald's All-American games, been going through some stuff, uh, was committed to Duke. When um, when Filipowski and Mitchell both said they were coming back, he was the guy that was like, yeah, you know what, I, I, this isn't going to necessarily work out for me. Reopened his recruitment, uh, Louisville, St. John's, Kansas, and Indiana. He ended up picking the Hoosiers over the Jayhawks at the end of the day. 
So right now, Indiana's lineup looks something like this, most likely. Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, uh, Mbako, yep. Malik Renew, Khalil Ware, probably, yes. those three guys. Um, I guess let's start with this. Is Ken Mbako play the three? Is he a wing or is he a big, like a, a I think four? he's a four. I think he's a four. I've said that since I first saw him play. You know, I've seen him now for a couple summers. Um, and again, like you said, I, I thought a summer ago, I would have taken him ahead of DJ Wagner. And there's no real, there was no number one guy at that point, right? Isaiah Collier turned into maybe a number one guy. Um, Kid Williams going to Colorado, number one. But there's not a number one guy in this class. But uh, Mbako was was a guy I really liked because I thought, you know, he was a four who could really make shots, was skilled, um, played the right way. And then he, he fell off this past year. And, and I saw him at the McDonald's game and he wasn't good. He was not good. I think he played well at the Jordan brand. Um, but yeah, I, I just, my biggest question mark with Indiana is again, is Mike Woodson coaching and putting together teams like he's coaching in the nineties? You know, that's my biggest worry. Now, again, I'm not saying renew and Ware are like plotting bigs. They're not, but can they step out and make shots from three? I'm not convinced of that. I, I think the spacing might be ugly on the court if you try to play those three together. Defensively, they should be fine. And, and Xavier Johnson and Galloway have to, have to, have to make shots. And maybe they will. But, I, you know, again, Xavier Johnson coming back from an injury. Galloway's only done it for a, a short period of time. And I like them both. But I just, my big thing these days is all about, like, not just accumulating talent. Because, again, the same problem exists for me at Kentucky in a way. Do the pieces fit together? The pieces fit together at UConn last year. They fit together. I don't know if they fit together in, in Indiana or Kentucky completely. I, I, th I think that you can squint and they do fit together fairly well. It's not. Uh, let, let's put it this. Uh, put it this way. I'm I'm worried about the way that stuff is going to fit at Kentucky. I'm not quite as concerned about the way that stuff is going to fit at Indiana. Um, it's not an ideal situation to basically have like three guys that are all in that kind of four somewhere in the, uh, on the spectrum of four to five, right. In your starting lineup. But I also think that there's a world where like one of those guys can come off the bench. You know right. what I mean? Like if, if yes. Mbaku gets beat out in practice and ends up being your sixth man, I would agree. Like there, there's worse things in the world than being able to say, all right, uh, depending on who we're playing, we can bring this top 10 prospect off the bench and we can either slot him into the three. If we need to go big, if Malik Renew gets in foul trouble, put him at the four and all of a sudden we can kind of play five out. Or you can bring him in and move Renault to the five, and you got a mismatch foreman in there. So um, I do think he gives you a little bit of lineup flexibility. Maybe like but... Caleb Banks, like he's one that I kind of liked in, <laughs> in spurts last year. Mm -hmm. You know, can Caleb Banks kind of take a jump? Because they lost, you know, they lost a couple of those wings that, you know, Tamar Bates was supposed to, Geronimo, they were both kind of showed flashes, and obviously Miller Cop's gone. They, they need, I'm with you. I actually think Mbako coming off the bench early, yep. especially, would be the best thing for for this this team. You know what else could be really interesting if they started Gabe Cups alongside Xavier Johnson. You don't I don't think, think he's gonna be they're going to be able to. I don't think he's ready for that. And and you know, I think he he I love him, but I think he's he's a good backup as a freshman. Yeah, I will say this though: if if he, if you get good Xavier Johnson, if you get the guy that what we saw yes. like. 
yes. at the end of his, I guess it was his junior year, the end of the 2022 season, you get that dude for a year and put him next to a guy like Trey Galloway. Like I, you said, uh, I don't know if you love Trey Galloway. I don't I, I like him a lot. I like him I, a lot. I love that dude. Yep, I think too. he is an absolutely perfect college role player, and I think that he's going to be very, very good and very important for Indiana because you need guys that will go out there and do all the other stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, you got your stars, you got your rebounders, you got your uh, defenders, you got some shot makers. You need a guy that can do all the other stuff, and he can do all the other stuff. Uh, and he's got a great flow. Um, all right. Uh, I want to, before we get into a little bit of recruiting stuff, I do just want to circle back on the Bob Huggins conversation, right? Bob Huggins got a three-game suspension. Uh, he was essentially fined a million dollars, and I'm not sure how it worked. I think that you put this out there that he's essentially working on a one-year contract right now. If you can kind of explain that a little bit. But do you think he got – was this a enough of a punishment? Was it too harsh? Where do you stand on this? No, I think it was fair. I think it was fair at this point. You know, everything that – and again, the contract just got altered to where now it's a year by year thing. So at the end of next year, his contract's up so they can part ways with him or, you know, maybe figure something out where he goes into a different role with, with the university. But listen, he screwed up. He knows it. Uh, there are consequences. I didn't feel like, and I said it at the time, that he should be fired. So I'm kind of glad because I just feel like he's done too much good uh, that one Again, one major F up, which is what he did here, would cost him his career and, and, and kind of change the way that we, we look at um, his legacy. I don't think that's fair. I, I think we're all one word away, one slip up away from being canceled now. And again, it's not something I condone. He completely screwed up. Uh, and hopefully he can learn from it. I mean, again, listen, my dad's 80. I'm trying to teach him things because he grew up in a different era. He grew up with words that we can't use anymore. So I'm constantly trying to tell him, Dad, you can't say that anymore. You can't. And, and I think something similar is true for Bob Huggins. Now, again, should he have known better? Of course. Of course with this word. Uh, but, but again, I, I just to, – to cancel somebody off one mistake, and people tried to do it with Greg McDermott a few years ago. Um, I just don't think that's fair when, when you talk about the totality of what you've done, how you've treated people over the course of your life. And that's something I will, I will go back to for both McDermott and Huggins. When you talk to people around them, kids who played for them, coaches who coach with them, coaches who coach against them, how much they, they've helped and impacted people, that, that to me provides a hell of a, a lot more value than one screw up. Um, so what I... This is the the thing that I will respond to that with. Um, I the only way I, one I think Huggins is lucky to to still have a job there and not having have lost his job. I don't think that there's anybody else that is the 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 public facing um, the the most uh, the biggest public facing employee at any uh, million dollar billion dollar company, whatever whatever you would consider West Virginia. To go out on a public radio station and say that and say it twice the way that he said it as flippantly as he did, um, I don't know how many other people would survive that in like in any in indus any industry. So I think Huggins is lucky. Um, in terms of what you're saying, like coming from a different era, the only way that that is an acceptable response to me is if he so shows some type of contrition and comes out publicly and acknowledges that he's made a mistake, right? 
I this this whole like let's put out a statement like this is uh, so flowery and beautiful and well said by Bob Huggins PR team. We just saw that same shit with John Morant. And you know what happened the, a month later? John Morant's out there doing the same thing because it's his legal team putting stuff out and it's his PR team making these statements for him. Until we see Bob Huggins in front of a camera acknowledging what he said was wrong, why it's wrong, and what he's learned from it and how he's he's moving forward and how he's bettering himself, then it, it all kind we'll of falls it. on flat ears. Yeah, I think we and, will see it. I, and I, and I, he's got to get in front of a camera and he's got to yeah. – what was written in that statement, he's got to be able to say that and be – Sure. Uh, make it look like and and convince people if, if that you've he's been actually... around hugs listen if you've been around him and again i think the perception of hugs is not the reality of the guy again uh obviously he, he can be tough as a coach most people who talk uh about hugs that know him well they'll say like one of the best people you're ever around kind of a big teddy bear um trust me i've talked to people close to him on this thing he feels terrible about it. He feels terrible. I think we will see him out there. I'm hoping we get a chance to talk to Hugs here uh, sometime soon. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's my biggest thing. Is like you could put out a statement, sure. but a statement is just something that, that your PR team put together. He has to – and if he comes out here and says, like, look, I realize I'm wrong and grows from it, it sets an example for other people that have that, that same – uh, that still use that same vocabulary, then I think that's a, that's a good thing that can kind of help um, I don't want to say help further that cause because that's the wrong way to phrase it, but like it can help other people uh, learn from his mistake. And that's not a bad thing, but you actually have to show that you're uh, improving yourself um, as a Again, person. You I'll want... say this, just because you say that word doesn't mean you're anti-gay. <laughs> there's a, there's a whole Louis C.K. Louis C.K skit about that and uh we're not going to repeat that that skit on here but i i understand what you are uh what you're trying to say um Ernest Uday, ron holland updates do you have anything on those recruitments what are you hearing about them we mentioned I mean, earlier Ernest Uday, Uday at, at duke. duke uday at duke and and he'd be obviously <laughs> i mean the rich the rich would get richer because that's all they need they don't need like they need a, a rim protector in the Derek lively type mold like that's what they need Right, and Uday would give him that. He didn't play a ton last year, but he's he's long, he's big, he, he's played a year at Kansas. Uh, he's been Warren coached. McDonald's all American, like that, yeah. dude, that dude can play. So you know, to me, you have him for 12, 15 minutes. That would that would be a huge piece that they right now lack uh, for the Blue Devils. And and Ron Holland, I still think he. Ends you know up what? Playing. You know what? The Uday thing. If he goes to Duke, you know what that could be similar to. Um. If they do it right, that could be similar to using Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon for like 25 minutes and 15 minutes, what you kind of did last year. I think that like, if you're if you're looking at that blueprint, I don't know how much I'll you would take, necessarily I'll take Sonogo and Klingon a little bit over those these this group of fives. No, oh no, I, I agree, but I'm saying like there's that's where you can kind of use yeah. use for a blueprint in a way sure. that can make it work. I also think that they could play together a little bit more effectively than um than uh than Klingon and Sonogo did because both those guys were pure fives. You know, Filipowski sure, sure. got some for him. Ron Holland, Arkansas, the G League still is this thing? Ever I think it's move? Arkansas. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's again, unless something's changed uh, recently, I still think he ends up at Arkansas. But um, who knows with these? I mean, again, with NIL, uh, with Arkansas still trying to figure out, are they going to get Devo Davis and, and Jordan Walsh back? I think that's the holdup right now. 
to some degree is they don't know what their roster's looking like. If both those guys want to come back, then there's no room for Ron Holland. Or you got to create room, and Ron Holland wouldn't want to go there anyway if Jordan Walsh comes back, I wouldn't think. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in this position where um, he, uh, he left Texas because he wasn't sure if Dylan Mitchell was going to come back, and now he doesn't know if he's going to go to Arkansas because he's not sure if Jordan Walsh is going to come back. Like, How many of these six-foot-eight really athletic dudes that can't shoot are there? They're everywhere. It seems like it. It seems like there's more than we thought. Hey, by the way, did you see that Dylan Mitchell went out there and had like a really impressive shooting yeah. performance at the Combine? Yeah. You know who else had a really impressive shooting performance at the Combine? Who? Andre Jackson. The two yeah. guys that were like, oh, man, there's no way that they can shoot went out there. Jackson Those was chairs, different. man. Those chairs can really they, – they, they struggle defending. When you put yep. a chair in front of somebody, they don't move that much. So, like, you know, again, guys who, who haven't shot it well sometimes shoot the hell out of it when they know that – there's nobody that's going to impact their shot. Yeah, uh, I mean, but the, the one thing I'll say is this. With both those guys, the shots that they will be taking in the NBA are the yeah. wide open ones. Wide open. It's the one. So yes. I don't know if you watched the the Denver Nuggets, uh, oh, the yeah. Nuggets at Lakers game last night. Yes. The reason that uh, the Lakers were able to make their comeback in the fourth quarter is because um, the Lakers put Anthony Davis on Aaron Gordon, stopped guarding him, and basically had two guys defending at the rim. Yeah. And the the issue was you didn't want Aaron Gordon shooting wide open threes. And for Dylan Mitchell and Andre Jackson, the only thing that they have to do is be able to make those wide open threes so teams can just not like you make it so they just can't not guard you. And if they're, if they're going to shoot 16 for 25 of the combine, like, yep. well, you know what? Maybe they can actually do it. Make a wide open three. You got to make one out of three of them in the NBA. And then your mark is smart. That's the way it is. Listen, this has been the Field of 68 uh, after coffee. I guess it's technically after lunch right now. So thanks to Dagan Hughes for producing this. Thanks to Matt Painter for uh, for jumping on and walking us through some of the issues. Um, and uh, no thanks to Jeff Goodman, who I always despise talking to and has the worst takes that we've ever seen. My name is Rob Dosh. We'll see you guys again next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.